My parents said to me, I guess apparently they told me one day that they came up and said, um, you just pick an instrument and we'll get you lessons. <laughs> um, here I am. I want to just challenge myself. I want to become a better musician. You can do it! Okay! It's really weird because I'm not really speaking to you in front of me. But I have to think of you in front of me because if I don't, then I won't be able to speak to you. How you doing? <laughs> what does that even entail? To the Wandering Wolf. This is your host, Yoni Wolf. Here I am once again, thrown into a moment at the mic, live and direct to you. Uh, no planned interaction, no planned thought. But I will say this I got back from Los Angeles, where, where I was uh, attending uh, a wedding not only attending but officiating the wedding we'll talk more about that in a bit uh yesterday morning i got back at seven in the morning so it was a red eye flight and i hadn't done that in quite some time if ever maybe once or twice in my early 20s uh, when it was really about uh cutting that fare down but i'll tell you what the flight just flew by literally uh, I took a weed pill shortly before the flight, and it kicked hard. It kicked really hard. And I put on some Stars of the Lid. If those of you, you may not know what that is. It's sort of ambient uh, drone music. And I let that carry me only for a moment. Now, I sat, I sat next to a couple... Uh, almost straight out of Twin Peaks or something. Like, this woman had bracelets on her arm from the hospital. And, I, you know, I, I in my strange, uh, otherworldly state, I, I hasten to even call it, like, stoned or something, because it was beyond that. Uh, it, 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 these people really seemed like apparitions in some way. And in a sober state, I may have been like, you know, weirded out by these people not being able to sleep. I was weirded out, probably even in my stoned state uh, or what have you. But uh, th- yeah, so she had some bracelets like uh, no identification. One said no identification and the other said uh, no blood taken or something like that. Um, I found that kind of strange, like hospital. And she kept like tapping me and wanting to talk about something or other, but it was just like, didn't make too much sense. And then she would turn back to the guy. That's fine. I think, I believe they were probably bracelets from some sort of, uh, uh, mental place that she was taken, probably found on the streets talking to herself. Who God knows what, but she was nice enough. I mean, you know, maybe misguided or, or, 
just living in another world as I was at the time. So there's no judgments coming from me about that. Uh, but yeah, that, so that, I tell you, it flew by. And then there was one moment during the flight, and I think it lasted probably literally 60 seconds or, or less, uh, uh, where I had a severe panic attack that I've never had before. Where I couldn't get, I couldn't catch my breath, and my my vision was like everything had halos. I couldn't see shit because everything was just light, like pulsing light, and it was just this immense. Fear. I mean, part of it had to do with feeling like, oh my god, I'm on an airplane. What am I doing here? I'm just like the time and place of me. But part of it was deeper. It was like. Here I am alive within history, and I, I was sort of thinking about everything that had come before me and everything that would come after me in the universe. That's a big thought and not something that I'm really able to, to, to wrangle and lasso in here um, in, in, in further articulation, but it was a very, very, very big thought. You, you know, it's a, maybe it's something that the drug kind of, but it, it was to the point where it was pressing in on me hard and I, I couldn't breathe and, and I couldn't see right. And, you know, you kind of have trouble swallowing. And I thought I was going to pass out. I really felt like I was going to pass out. And I had a piece about it. I mean, I had, it was, I was in my mind, it was like, this is going to be embarrassing. The groom's parents were about four rows in front of me. Uh, my friend Sophia was about 10 rows in front of me. You know, I, so there was a bit of an, like, oh, what am I going to say? Oh, the, the, uh, you know, and that's happened to me on flights before where someone passes out. And, you know, is there a doctor on the flight? It actually happened to me on the flight from Cincinnati to Los Angeles uh, last Tuesday or whatever it was. Um, but I didn't, I never expected it to be me, you know, especially if it's not related to my chronic illness, you know, that's something that can strike, you know, anywhere and you always hope it doesn't. But this was just some panic attack that I just never, that's not me. I'm like, that's not me. But in this moment, it was me, you know, and just as, as sudden as it came, it left <sighs> along with a certain potency of the drug that left. And I, and I, I sort then after that, I just sort of felt stoned, but it got intense, man. That was, it was scary. It was very scary. I didn't, I knew I wouldn't die. I knew they'd take care of me and figure it out, but it was just something that I didn't want to go through. But it was just a it was a big feeling. So, but I realize now, as I reflect upon this a few days later, that you know what, I have to let go of my personhood, uh, let go of the pointed ambitions and desires and hopes for myself, and accept that I'm part of a very large universe, if not infinite, and find myself within that 
and accept the, the, the cog hood of what I am, you know? I'm just one tiny part of it. And so even if I fail, you know, on a, on a, on a micro level, if I was watching my life and I completely failed, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's part of the whole thing. And maybe there's a reason for why I have to fail at a certain thing or why I have to, why anything goes any way in my life, you know, that alters the course of the universe in some small way that affects change and affects necessarily what becomes of the universe. So you have to, it's, it's a freeing feeling, I think. There's a peace that comes with that. And that doesn't mean you have to throw all your, you know, your goals and ambitions out the window. You know, you can still think on a, on a micro level, but I think it's good to, to uh, peace out a bit and, and understand what scale you're dealing with. And let go of the trifle. Let go of the drama or you know, everything that's choking everything you up and, and, and upsetting you. And that's on a subtle level. That's on a subtle level. I don't necessarily mean throwing fits and tantrums. I just mean the tiny, every tiny fit and tantrum your cells might play in your body. Because those are all guided by the central nervous system and the brain and all that business. Let it all go. Not only is it more comfortable, it's, it's more natural, it's, it's co- more correct, I think, to accept yourself as one small drop of water in the ocean, you know? And you're just floating along with the other drops. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, enough uh, pseudo-philosophical, uh, unschooled, unread pondering. These are all just my personal ruminations from just living my life in yoga classes or something like that. But I'm not minimizing myself. I'm still a part of this, and I still feel it innately, you know, and I can try to put words to it. But, yeah, I did officiate the wedding. It it went well. I, I was very nervous right before, but I had written a little something. I just wrote, like, sort of how, how the couple got together. They're good friends of mine. I just wrote how they got together, how they got engaged, and let them say their vows. Uh, and it went, it went off well. It was a good party. Th- that could be you. I could do this for you for a small fee and a flight, food, and accommodations. I could marry you and your loved one together, join you for life. The Wandering Wolf Podcast at gmail.com. You can also donate to the podcast uh, via PayPal, the Wandering Wolf Podcast at gmail.com. And you now can buy t shirts uh, on impactmerch.com. And I, I don't know the slash exactly, but it's like built within the Y page. Why with a question? So you can actually just go to the Y website, whywithaquestionmark.com, all spelled out and search merch, and it'll be on that page with all the Y merch. Uh, Or you can go to Impact Merch and search The Wandering Wolf, and you'll find some T-shirts that you can buy. 
Today on the podcast uh, is a friend of mine, Angel Deridorian. I've known her since, I want to say, I don't know, 05, 06. Does that seem right? Something like that. Uh, I met her first at a show that she played with some other Sacramento people. I want to say that dude Mason, something or other, and his buddy. But they, they, it was a uh, show at a coffee shop, and me and my buddy Bryce went with a couple other people. Uh, we met Angel there, and she was cool. She ended up uh, dating Bryce for a little while, maybe a year or two, and moved to New York with him. So I, I, I knew her in those mid mid two thousand years, and she was a, a great musician. The first time uh, I saw her, even, and is a lot better now, even. And is a recording artist as well. She's worked. She's been in bands, um, a lot of bands. But you know, we'll, we'll talk. We talk about all that. But she was in Dirty Projectors for a long time, which is a band that we've played with a number of times. And she now is uh, dating. Her boyfriend is in Animal Collective. Dave P. We refer him to. We refer to him as. Not Dave Longstreth from Dirty Projectors. But that'll all become clear. She has an album that she recorded that, that we don't know when it'll come out or what label it'll be on, but uh, it is excellent. She sent it to me, and it, it is marvelous. She has an EP that she did a few years ago. We talk about that. Yeah, she's just an overall really cool musician, very talented Great singer, great player, the whole nine yards, the real deal. Angel Deridorian. Hey. Sorry. So it's confusion. No, it's good, it's good. They're going nuts out there. Hey. How are you? Good. Well, this is nice. I'm taking my shoes off in here. I just don't feel right about it. Just feels like a some sort of a meditation room. Yeah. What goes on in here in this room? Is is this the uh meditation? Do you do you meditate every day? Uh nope. Dave does more than I do. But... I just started. Oh yeah? Yeah. Cool socks. That oh, thank you. I stole them actually from uh the mall. Here, actually, the last time I was two you times ago. Stole them. I stole them. Okay. From a. Uh... No guilt. No, no. It was the kind of thing where it took so long to find them. It was like a big. Uh... It was Target. Uh, I think it was Target. Yeah, that looks like Target. I have socks kind of like that. And it Those was, are cool. Cooler. It was like so. <laughs> it took so, like twenty minutes to find them, and then it was like I just was like, all right, I'm not waiting in that line. And I walked, I walked out. No problems. Wow. All right. I, I'm sitting here with Angel Deridorian in the meditation room yep. in, her, in her house <laughs> where her boyfriend does most of the meditating in here, which she does a most little bit. Of it. I'm more on the yoga side of things, but you, yeah. Do you do yoga every day or, or? Not every day, but sometimes I go like really crazy and I'll go like every day for a month. Yeah. And then I'll stop when I run out of money. 
or I'll try to do it here when I can. Yeah. But I've been really it's hard busy. To do, it's hard so. to do yoga yourself, though. I like having a teacher. Yeah. Yeah, but I can do it by myself at this point because I've practiced it for like like the last five or six years at this point. So I know the routine. I guess. What do you what what do you go for? Do you just do a bunch of sun salutations? Uh, I do full sequences because I kind of memorized a lot of these sequences in uh, New York. I would go to this place called Jiva Mukti, and you do like sun salutations. Then you do like certain warm up uh, sequence. Then you do like all hips, legs. Then you do floor stuff back bends and then inversions so you kind of like cover all the different uh aspects of stretching your body <laughs> is it a certain was it is that a certain kind of of yoga does it have a name yeah it's jiva mukti style yoga so okay. it's in a specific sequence like they target certain like spots first in in a way so that you don't really do any like counterproductive okay. work on your body and it's the same sequence every time. It's not. It's always different. It's like within, you know, there'll be like different versions of sun salutation, different version of uh, like this whatever leg and hip opening kinds of things you do. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then so you get to mix it up or you'll do like just headstand or just shoulder stand or just handstands. Which I can't do. You do one inversion every every practice. You're yeah, usually do two actually. Okay. You do like headstand or handstand or forearm stand, and then you do can you shoulder do, stand. Can you forearm stand? I tried. I can't do that. I yet. like fell on my face a couple of times. It's kind yeah. of scary actually. It's like one of the scariest ones. It's I, a very weird way to balance. I, I think it's because my hamstrings are too tight to get up. Like. Like, uh, I can get in dolphin, and I get I can get like close to getting up like that, but yeah, I can't quite get my body to get in it. Like I could jump up and probably try yeah. try to get it, but like I can't like raise myself up. Yeah, I don't even I don't even understand. Like I think it's like the opposite for me. It's like all upper body strength that freaks me out because I think you my have a lot arms of are just your, your arms break. are tiny. <laughs> yeah. That presents problems. <laughs> wait, wait. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Like, it's harder to feel like you can hold yourself up in that position. Yeah. Like, my legs are probably way stronger. Yeah. So, like, I can do more balancing stuff on my legs or something than, Just like, doing like, something like on your... Like standing or walking or whatever. Standing, yeah. I can I can stand and walk pretty good. I can uh, run, kind of. Yeah. You know, things on your legs. <laughs> but do you... So, do you run as well? Yeah. Like, uh, almost, I try to do, like, four times a week. I'm pretty, like, I get kind of obsessive about things, so right now I'm like, I just, I gotta jog around the, the lake. And how, twice how far, every how far is it? It's like a one-mile loop, so I run around it a couple of times. Because, mm -hmm. again, I'm pretty small, and so I run out of breath pretty quick. There's not a whole lot of breath in there. There's, no. You can't fit that much in there. <laughs> yeah. It's just... Yeah, I, I I guess I can't like my my probably like my blood sugar and adrenaline and all that is like it runs out pretty quick cuz I metabolize pretty fast. So then I'm just like running on empty right, right away. Uh but it's great. I love 
I ha- I like exercising a lot. It's basically my kind of me- meditation because uh, I have a hyper overanalytical brain and I'm thinking all the time. It's kind of mellows me out. Do you, do you have a job at all? <laughs> uh, like a day job. Right now, not really. No, I don't. I kind of I really tried getting a job here for uh, like the first year and year and a half and I couldn't get hired anywhere that's always been like really bad for me like no one wants to hire me because I think they just because you've been off the grid too too long no ever since I started getting jobs I think people just know that I don't take well to authority I see figures like I'm I'm pretty much my own kind of leader yeah um so if I'm not like involved in a in kind of a leadership style it's really hard for me to like, give a shit about the job. And they can just see that. They also know that I'm probably kind of socially awkward when it comes to, like, service. Because it was mostly, like, restaurant industry stuff. But yeah. I worked at a record store here for a while, and that was mellow. And I tried starting my own cleaning company with my friend because it was so hard to get a job that I had to start a business. But it basically, every all of that just kind of made me go crazy because I have been was making a record the whole time I've been here. And, right, uh, and that's what you wanted to do. That's what I wanted to do, and I just kind of realized that that's what I'm supposed to do. And that's the only job that I can actually like follow through with. So yeah. I, I kind of had to quit everything and found ways to make money by doing like singing for other people or mini tours, and I joined... Um, this band with my boyfriend Dave called Slasher Flicks so that helped with income too and I just stayed in the music world as much as I could but you do you have a problem with being a kept woman what do you mean like your boyfriend's just, got money I mean you know I'm just saying do you feel like you have to generate money um yeah I was stressed out about that but um we kind of like worked out our own thing as far as, like, because we live together. So, um, yeah, I definitely want to generate my own money. Yeah. But I also know I need a lot of time to work on, because I'm doing, this is, like, a huge push for me, is this first record I'm making that's full length. Takes a lot of, uh, for me, takes a lot of energy. It's like, if I'm not working on it, I'm thinking about it and trying to organize all this stuff. And it was so much more than just making music. It was about like fully re fully reexamining or examining who I am. And then you like get in your mid twenties and you're like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? And even if you have something you're doing with your life, that still happens to you. And I was like, damn it. I was hoping you, I didn't have to deal with that. You're shit. still going to have to self-examine. You're saying I think everyone always should be. Yeah. But I think, yeah, something just happens in, like, in your mid-late 20s where you're, like, if you're a creative person or if you haven't, like, picked a, a, it doesn't even matter, probably, something just triggers inside of you that's just, like, what are you doing? What what am I doing here? Saturn Returns or whatever? That comes around 29 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Which I haven't gotten there yet, but... Uh, so you don't even yeah. know what it is to say, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> I hope by that time I'll worse. be more established. Yeah. I feel like I'm going through that already. Well, maybe you're an early bloomer. <laughs> On an astrological level, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> let me just say that, that I only had time to listen to Side A, but it's great. 
<laughs> did it? Did it? Like you just listened to the first five songs yeah. or something? Okay. It's Thank really you. good. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, because I only downloaded it like an hour ago. Yeah. Oh, okay. No worries. It's really good. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It took yeah. a long ass time. <laughs> well, uh, and why the long time? Just to, it just certain um, songs had to reveal themselves to you. Yeah, it was pretty interesting to see like how my process would be. I made a EP when I was like 20 years old or 20, I don't remember how, 21 or two. Uh, and that was kind of like a collection of was songs. It that long ago? Yeah, it was a long Because I remember time when ago. you finished it and you remember you stayed at, with me up in Oakland. And in you like 2009? It, probably. Or eight, yeah. And you no. Played, you played it for me. Oh shit, I yeah. don't remember that. Yeah. Um,. Yeah, it was a while ago, and that was just kind of like collection of songs over time and not with like a fully thought out kind of plan. And then I left Dirty Projectors in like 2012, but I started kind of going on this journey in 2011, expecting to like tour with Dirty Projectors and and write at the same time. But then Dave and I talked and decided that it would be good for me to like pursue Dave Longstreth, uh, pursue doing the the solo thing. So then... How did that conversation go? Out it was cool. Yeah. It was cool. I feel like we just had to make some decisions because it was... Because they were going to put out Swing Low Magellan and then we were going to be recording for it. And I think we just needed to see if I was able to dedicate myself fully to Dirty Projectors or if it was just time to... You couldn't split kinda, your time, really. Yeah, it's actually it's kind of hard for me to multitask in that sense. or um, I can do it, but it's it takes a lot longer. Yeah, so, um, I can relate to that. So I did need to just focus on one thing. And then leaving that band was pretty... I knew it was going to be hard, but I didn't know how it was going to be hard. And then I realized, like, it's super personal. Like, it was, like, all personal stuff that when you go on tour, you don't really get to address fully or, like, re-examine about yourself because you're just constantly going and you rack up all of these memories or all these, like, semi-traumatizing experiences, whatever's going on, and you just kind of, like, hold on to them and you're like, all right. And then when you have all this time all of a sudden you just start to like see what you created and what you created relationships wise and stuff on many levels, but what you've like held within and like, yeah. And then you can kind of and look back at the relationships you created with people and how you would do things differently. But a lot of it was like, I don't really know how I, I know I make music all the time, but I actually don't know how to do this. I'm going to have to, like, start over. You, you don't know what how to, how to, like, see a project through from, t- from top to toe or something, you mean? Yeah, it was my first real chance at personal leadership. I've always kind of worked for other people and their bands and been really dedicated to their vision and uh, kind of worked on my own. I've always worked on my own, but never in, like, a very concentrated way so when I I realized I had to like learn leadership 
even stronger self-motivations. Uh, so you ran a band for this record? No, this is more in the sense of, like, how to write. Okay. Like, just, I had to, yeah, and then, I mean, every once in a while I have a band. Yeah. And I have to lead that, too. But this is mostly in the sense of sitting down every day and being like, what do I want this music to sound like? How do I push past writing this song that I already hate? And right. like, but I have to go through these motions and I have to be super patient and self-motivated and determined and never stop working because I know eventually I'm going to get over this like horrible phase of like making shit that sucks. So you, to get to, like, the good stuff. <laughs> so you'll fall out of love with a song before it's even recorded? I record as I write. So if I listen back, yeah, sometimes. Not as much now. I know much more what I like now and, like, what fits for me as a musician. Uh, but it took a while. I had yeah. to just kind of explore, like, the influences and how they, like, fit into who I am and then what what I could create that was just from myself and how to fuse all of those things together. Cause I really, really wanted to make something that sounded different. That was like a big deal to me, yeah. which I hope, you know, I hope I achieve that, but people will definitely be able to hear influences but, but, in my music. But when you said the influences, it sounded like capital T capital I for some reason. <laughs> What do you mean? You said the influences. I don't know. Like what? Uh, what are what are the influences? What are there certain things that you're that you're trying to meld together different influences, like in a in a specific way, or? Yeah, definitely. I, I think that um, lots of people do that with music, and uh, it's a good kind of basis. And and I like to find all the influences that like resonate and most of the time and like kind of can physically resonate or emotionally I guess but uh just thing and it's mostly like sonic influence like I like that sound from that song and I want to like work that kind of vibe so it ends up I guess my, my music people call it vibey right because <laughs> it's really focused a lot on uh production quality as well yes so um where was I going with that one? Well, what what I was going to ask what 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 are these influences, if if I may ask? Um, well, when it started out, I was like way more into listening to those Ethiopics records because oh, yeah. I just love like the quality, and I really like music. I I'm a big fan of like groove and like interlocking rhythms, mm -hmm. and and my last record wouldn't really show show that so that was kind of one thing kind of listening to james brown and ethiopics and um like like kraut a lot of kraut rock mm -hmm. just or like i guess like weird stuff like black devil was black devil it's just like this band i don't even know like when they're from but they're just kind of like weird dance music yeah kind of like dance music in the in the vibe of like liquid liquid or uh uh chick 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 kind of okay. those kind of dancey songs where they're interlocking rhythms yet again yeah that was kind of something i wanted to focus on 
but then I love like Alice Coltrane and I love really expansive music with a lot like you can hear in the recordings like the whole room I love Mar- Marvin Gaye what's going on just because the production on that record is phenomenal yeah and uh you can just hear everything you're like in the room that's I, I was realizing as I went along I wanted to like be in in the music I wanted to feel the experience of it are are you are you recording analog or are you recording digital are you like if i demo it's all digital and then i record when i recorded i did everything digital and did tape bounces basically so you would record onto pro tools or something and then bounce it through through an eight uh, or a 24 track tape machine or something and then back onto digital we i don't know i don't think we ran it through a board onto tape I think just you just run it machine. straight to tape. Just but to get I wasn't the saturation with the, on it? Yeah, I wasn't with the tape guy, so I actually don't know his process. Okay. But yeah, just to get the um, the saturation. Yeah. And then make a decision between that. So there are some songs that are taped. There are some songs that are right. digital. Oh, oh, you're saying at, at, the, at the mix stage? Or, or yeah, are you yeah. saying, okay, so not, not, not each track or stems. You mean the final mix? Yeah, final mix. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't record anything on the... I didn't record anything straight to tape for this. I did. Well, it sounds uh, super warm. I mean, I'm sure you're using really cool vintage gear, some of the pre's and stuff like that. Maybe not. I don't know. It sounds you fool me. You fool me. I had to really, you know, it was kind of janky in a cool way. Yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't have any support, so I didn't. I don't have a label. I don't have any money coming in. So all the people that worked with me. I worked on it most of most of it by myself until like the final stages of like with mixing and doing a, some re-recording and mastering. We have um, a guest. The cat's coming in. Yeah. Um. Um. Oh my goodness! Hello, Whiskus. What's this, what's what's her name? This is Caramels, Caramel. or Little John, or Little John. John Candy, Caramel. <laughs> Every cat has a like celebrity name. Right. Right. Um. But he kind of looks like John Candy. Mm-hmm. Juan Dulce. So I kind of like had to gather my resources however I could. But the people that helped me are so awesome. And I'm, I'm so grateful that they were willing to work with me and help me finish this very long project. <laughs> yeah. What, what uh, would you like to see? You know, what, what, what would you be your ideal scenario for the project? As in what sense? What would the next two years look like? Um, I I would really like to get a band together and just tour because the it's kind of hard to do this music by myself because it's pretty orchestrated in certain ways and I need other people to kind of realize it with me. So I, I ideally would like to just have a band and do some like opening slot tours. So get a band together, tour on it. It comes out the, the usual, I guess. It comes out to to a fanfare of of good reviews and. I mean, people should review it honestly. Yeah. Or whatever their opinion is, but um, I feel pretty. I just want to like make I just wanted to make music you know yeah. I want to 
I like recording a lot. That's like really one of the more interesting things for me now. Just like messing around and realizing that, you know, the, the stuff you put out in the world will be heard and it'll change even a, a tiny bit the world view, if that makes sense. Just, yeah. Just making art that you want to hear and sharing that. That's really what I want to do. Well, let's 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 uh, let's go back to how you guys started in this whole thing. And I think I knew you right around when when you. Yeah, I started maybe a couple years before. A couple I years met you. before that, yeah. But I, um, I left high school when I was really young, and then I decided that I just wanted to tour. But you, but you, you must have have been like a. I think I think you're. Dad is a musician or something. Am oh, I, you want right? to go that far back? Well, I'm. I'm just. How did you get started? That's what I'm wondering. Like, my parents said to me. I guess apparently they told me one day that they came up and said, um, "You just pick an instrument and we'll get you lessons." Okay. So I was like seven when I started playing piano. I guess I picked piano. Yeah. I played violin a little bit before that, which was was never a good idea for a child to be near a violin. Sounds terrible. Is that, um, have you seen that girl on Louie? Do you watch Louie? Yeah. She's amazing. I don't think I've seen this episode you're she, talking there's about. There's a few of them where she'll like... She, there's one that his I... Daughter? That is like, huh? It's his daughter. daughter. It's one one of my favorites. She's like six, seven. They're amazing. And she... It, it starts with her just playing this beautiful, beautiful violin piece. And... Then, like, you know, three minutes in, he walks in, and he's like, Shut up! I told you! Go to your room and do your homework! Like, <laughs> yes. It's really good. But, so, awesome. w- were your parents musicians or no? Yeah, yeah. So, okay. my dad's a, my dad's played saxophone for 50 years. Okay. Um, and wow. sings and writes and plays piano and flute. And he's just, he's always been very musical and never, yeah, he's always been an active musician. Mostly locally, because he really dedicated himself to uh, his family. In Sacramento? Yes. He grew up in Providence and then lived in San Francisco with my mom for a long time. And then they eventually started the family. Retired to lovely Sacramento. Sacramento. I know. I was like, you lived in San Francisco and you made us grow up in Sacramento? Yeah. But in retrospect, it's, it's a nice place to grow up. It's chill. And there's a lot of space for us to be creative there. Yeah. So, yeah, my mom is more of a visual artist. Um, she went. They both went to the art in, one of the art institutes in San Francisco. And my dad actually majored in fine art, but okay. always did music. Uh, so my mom sings a little bit, plays a little bit of piano. My brother is a drummer. My sister sings. She used to play violin. She plays... She can play bass. She can play whatever. She's really talented. Arlene. This is the one Ar- I met one Arlene. time, twice, maybe? Yeah. Okay. Um, so all of us are pretty musically inclined, which is Do they cool. are they Are they doing it professionally, too, your brother and sister? Yeah, my brother... My brother tours with bands. He's, yeah, just doing drums, usually. He might... Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll play with me eventually. My sister sometimes plays with me. That'd be dope to have a little family band. Done it before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And my sister has 
other projects that she works on too. Are you are you the middle or the or the youngest? I am the baby. Yeah. Yeah. Got all all the freedom. <laughs> <laughs> all the freedom, none of the shit. No, I yeah. definitely got some shit from my parents, but uh, I am definitely the youngest. <laughs> In the psychological analysis right. way. And, and who's the, is your sister, who's the middle? My sister. Your sister, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, let's... This is a normal occurrence. Airplanes? Lots of airplanes around Lots here. Of helicopters. Oh, is that a helicopter? Does that mean they're looking for a murderer? This is like some traffic, helicopter traffic zone. But yes, definitely some runaways. Okay. They shine their lights in the windows at nighttime sometimes. Creepy. It's really, it's really annoying. Yeah. It makes me, it's one of the things that actually really annoys me about this neighborhood. Yeah. If not the most. It's nice though. You got, this is a nice street and nice little house. It's a good setup. Yeah. It's yeah. not bad. Um, so you. What happened in high school? So you did you play music there? Was that your identity? That was kind of a split because I was doing a lot of visual art in high school. I really liked drawing. It um, seems like a lot of people, if they do music, they, they do visual art too. Or, or a lot of people do both. Yeah. I think when you feel like you're creative or you've been like shown that it's okay to be creative, you kind of explore that as much as you can. So that's more of what I was doing in high school. I was in band, kind of. Mm -hmm. My high school was very disorganized, and I didn't really like it for that because I never felt like I could go in in depth into any project, like classes getting canceled, re like new classes coming in halfway through the year. So nothing felt solid. Like you couldn't really develop any kind of project because the teachers were just uh, in and out all the time. And then the academic side of things, that was just like, I can't handle this. Like, yeah. It all just was so disorganized. So I that's why I left, actually. What, how old were you when you left? I actually graduated when I was 15. How did that happen? You In California, I think it started in maybe my year, like my in 86. All the kids from 86 and after could... Um, you mean born in 86? Yeah. Um, they could test out for the California exit exams. So what you get is what's called a proficiency degree. Like you just, you're smart enough to get out of school. I think my sister-in-law did that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of people, I think more people are probably doing that. There was a, a lot of kids in my school that ended up doing that and just going straight to college. But you, did you can you do it after. College? Yeah. You can graduate after sophomore year, so I okay. am a summer baby. So I was I was fifteen, but I went to college when I was sixteen, and I just went to community college and took uh, some like general ed, and then a lot of art classes again, and like music theory, music history stuff. It was cool to have access to the music rooms. Yeah. So I did that for a couple of years, and then I was playing in bands. In local bands and then we got offered tours and I was like this is I know this is what I want to do right now what, what were you playing in bands keyboards yeah a little bit actually I was playing maybe in the first band I was in 
I was playing more like flute and accordion. And so you, how did you pick up all these instruments? You they were laying around the house. They were laying kinda. around the house. Okay. Yeah, I was like, well, I live in Sacramento. There's not that much to do. Yeah. <laughs> I just play. I just I was always really interested in playing the other instruments in the house. So I put, and I learned guitar. So I played that in the band. Um, but I think once you kind of understand one instrument, or more so with piano, because it's so laid out in front of you um it's not hard it's not too hard to grasp like or understand how the other instruments work because yeah, you kind of is. have a basis of knowledge <laughs> I find oh, it hard. sorry <laughs> no i mean i'm not like good like really good at any of those other instruments i can i i get them enough to where i can play them yeah i could play some simple stuff but piano is like my main thing anyway mm-hmm. um could yeah, you, so that's what I did. In could you play things. complicated shit on piano, like classical pieces and things yeah. like that? Yeah. Yeah. I and then I got really burned out. I I studied classical for the most part. And uh and I got pretty good to the point where the last teacher I had said she couldn't teach me anymore. Oh wow. But there was still a lot I wasn't connecting and I think that's because a lot of those those teachers they only teach you written off of written music so you don't at least that was the style i was learning so i never got to listen to the songs and kind of integrate those two together to understand the feeling of the music it was very much like you look at it and you play it and that's not how i that's just like i realize that's not how i work basically but you were able to pick up other instruments that's a very by ear thing if you were Mm -hmm. like kind of teaching yourself like that yeah, and that's kind of that was cool because then I just got to be more experimental. Actually, I have to go to the bathroom. Huh? I have to go to the bathroom. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> we can take a little pause. Okay, back. Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to I like him. He's a good boy. Yeah. So, you were playing in bands. How did you get from there to like Dirty projectors and shit like that. Did, I mean, I, that's sort of when I knew you right before all that, I guess, like a year or two before all that. Yeah. So I, when I started doing those tours, we toured with other bands and I ended up touring with this band called Tiger Saw from the, from Massachusetts. And I was in another like band. Na- nationally or just, or still just yeah, in California? Nationally. Okay. Um, we, I was in another band with my friend Kelly from San Francisco, and we toured with Tiger Saw. And then after that tour was done, Dylan from Tiger Saw asked me to tour in his band. And I was just like, at that point, I was like, "Fuck it, I want to do so anything." So he, he was a he was a side man in Tiger Saw. And he had his own band that was called something else. He is Dylan. Yeah. Dylan uh, is the leader of Tiger Saw. He okay. was just um, his band was touring with this other band I was playing in with my friend Kelly. Okay. So. He then wanted more musicians for his band and asked me if I wanted to be like a multi-instrumentalist for his thing. So I did a couple of tours with them. And I think he actually played me Dirty Projectors one time. Like okay. on the, And I was like, oh, this is cool. And he's like, yeah, it's this dude from Yale. He's just like makes crazy music. Yeah. And like that's all I retained. Right. I played this show in San Diego with Tiger Saw and I saw Amber there. And she had just heard Dirty Projectors and you, said... You knew Amber from Sacramento. I've known Amber from, yeah, like California, 
music scene. Okay. She, I don't know her from there. She's I, not from, I don't know where she's from. She's lived all over the place, but okay. when I met her, she was living in San Diego. Okay. And she, her band, Sleeping People, would come up to Sacramento, and I'd go to her shows, and I was like, this is the coolest girl I've ever yeah. seen. Like, she's... She's such a badass. Was she the singer in that band, the lead singer? No, she's like she's an awesome guitar player. Yes, yeah. it was like all instrumental band, and she just like ripped these like mathematical guitar riffs. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, you're you're so cool. So we kind of became friends that way, and um, I, when I went to San Diego, I invited her to the show we were playing, and she asked me if I wanted to be a singer for Dirty Projectors. And I was like, I don't know. I think I'm going to make a solo record. I have all these songs. And I was, so I said no. And then the solo record didn't happen. And this was, this is like before I met you? This is when I, like, I knew you at this point. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I said I couldn't do it. And then I decided I'm going to move to New York. And this is when I was 20 years old. Definitely knew you at this point. Yeah, you you were dating Bryce at the time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so we drove out to Crown Heights. Yeah. And I was like 20 years old. It was like 2006. You and were I, that young? I didn't yeah, realize you were that yeah. young. Oh, wow. Super young. And I just had the intention of joining a band. Yeah. And I wanted to keep doing... I didn't think about Dirty Projectors necessarily. I just went out there because I liked playing shows there and I liked the people I met there and it seemed like a cool like happening kind of place. But Amber had already been playing with them at that time? She had done a tour okay, and recorded on Rise Above. Okay, okay. And was going to continue being in the band. She still lived in San Diego when uh-huh. I moved, but very shortly thereafter she moved out to New York, like okay. maybe a couple months later. Okay. Because so, she, she was not in the band when I first met them. It was very much a sausage fest. Yeah, it was probably like Adam Forkner and, and Will Glass. And Nat. It was it was a four-piece, actually. It was a, I think it was just a four-piece. And Nat. It was Nat, Dave, and two other dudes, yeah. Yeah. Um, and there was, one, there was two drummers. There was a drummer, and then there was like an electronic drummer. Mm, okay. Yeah, I never saw them yeah. before I saw um, a formation that was like Amber, Nat, Charlie Looker, Susanna Waish or Waish and uh and uh Brian was on drums at that point. So I joined like six bands when I moved to New York. Yeah, Yeah, not Dirty Projectors was not one of them. But I Amber people you would meet there? Yeah, or people I had met previous to from touring. So I played in this band Inlets, I played in this band Steel Train, I played um Probably just with friends and um, I'm trying to think of the other bands, but at one point it was like six different yeah, projects. Yeah. I was like, "What the hell?" But that's what you wanted to do. That's what you yeah. went, went to. So I took every on. opportunity that came my way, basically, yeah. and stayed really open. And then I saw Dirty Projectors play at Glasslands. Yeah, and they played all this Rise Above material. This is like this super again. It was like super groove oriented, interlocking. Yeah. Like amazing music, yeah. And I, and I saw them all play, and they had such a crazy vibe on stage. And I was like, "This, oh fuck, I regret this." So I was <laughs> yeah, like, this band's awesome. Um, and then 
one day I got like a phone call from a random wait, number. Wait, wait a second. So why did you why did you say no though initially because you would have had to move to New York and you weren't ready to move to New York? No, it was because I just thought I was going to do my own thing. Okay. But then you ended up being in a bunch of bands anyway, though. Yeah, because the the solo thing just didn't seem like it was panning out at that at that moment. Yeah. I didn't think about it too much. Sure, sure. Um, but so okay, you yeah. got you get a call from a random number that you didn't know. Yeah, so when I'm just at home, it was three four seven. Three four seven. Yeah, and uh, I answered it, and it was Dave Longstreth. Yeah. And I was like, "What do you want?" <laughs> I like had no idea why he was calling me. Yeah. And he was basically asking if I wanted to maybe try out or what something, or if I wanted to play some flute parts on Rise Above. And I was like, "Yeah, had, send me had, the music." Had Amber told him about you? Yeah, and okay. I and I was playing music with his roommates, like. Okay. Um, Ben, no, maybe not Ben Bromley, with like Sam Rosen and... Wait, wait, Sam Rosen from, from Minnesota? No. Okay, different Sam Rosen. He's uh, also from Massachusetts, same town that Tiger Saw is from. Okay. And like at that time, Dave was living with like Matthew from Phosphorescent, um, Ray from Castanets, Ben Bromley, who was in Fisher Spooner and New Villagers and, uh... Just like a whole slew of like all these up and coming musicians, folky psychedelic music. Yeah, so I would be over there all the time, just like jamming with people. Yeah, and they knew I played music. So, and Amber had told him about me. Yeah, but he asked me kind of before she moved out there, and I was going to maybe play some flute on the record, but then he found like. Someone who's like way, way better than me to do it. And then, but eventually he came to, and let's show I played. It was actually, we opened for um, for Crypticize. Okay. And I borrowed Nadell's guitar, and Uh I think it was this show, and it was. This was was in New York? Yeah, I was at Union Pool. Okay. He came and then asked if I wanted to join. And that was, oh, what? That was the end of 06. Okay. Beginning of 07. So I really started playing shows with them in 07. Yeah. And it was, like, such a shift in my, like, awareness with music because everything that Day was doing, I was like, what the fuck? What is this? I've never done anything like this. So, just just in terms of what? His his arrangements and stuff and how, how strict he was with that? His arrangements, his influences, his, like, his vision. Yeah. It was beyond any anyone I'd ever worked with and i was i was just kind of amazed at this person yeah i mean he's not fucking around dude's not fucking around yeah he's like a very very creative strong energy in yeah. that way and um so he can put all of himself into whatever he creates yeah so i had to learn how to sing in this crazy way luckily amber and i both were like really into 90s r&b and yeah grew up with that so we like Learned all of the vocals. Is that stuff. what he cited as what he wanted? I don't think he cited that. I mean, it's just in. It was already in the music yeah. that he was doing. So he just. I think he was really into Justin Timberlake, and so that's when he got into more of the like that style of singing. But it was like really melismatic vocals mixed with Bulgarian singing. So it was like really harsh. And fast, like melodies that we were singing, and they were super counterintuitive from what we were playing. Yeah. So it was like 
we had and you were to playing practice. bass mostly in that reincarnation, right? Or do you yeah. would switch back and forth? I started playing bass for it because we were going to do four piece, and we had to be like really kind of. Uh, Who was on drums at that time? Brian. Brian. Okay. We just had to be use as much of everyone's ability sure. as possible, sure. probably on a budget level. Right. So. <laughs> um, Honestly, yeah. that was my. I mean, I've seen probably five or six different incarnations of the group, but that. I mean, several of them have blown my mind, but that was one of them that mainly blew my mind. The first time I saw you with the band, which I feel like was in Amsterdam. Does that seem right? Whoa, yeah, yeah. Maybe that was it, but maybe we were a six-piece at that point. No, we weren't. That was a four-piece. That was a four-piece in Amsterdam. Yeah, and we played it, at a... It was upstairs. Remember, we, we that played... That, like, a, famous it was a club there. festival together, but we played... It was upstairs. It was, it was us, you, and Shushu. Yeah. <laughs> and, um... Yeah. Oh my I ended God. up catching the mumps the next day. It was, like, a whole thing. But... Wait, like, the disease? Yeah. Like, you got it, or you saw a band called the mumps? No, no, the disease, the <laughs> oh, disease. You got the mumps? Yes, yes. That's, like, a medieval I disease. I caught it in Copenhagen, yeah. Dude, that's fucked up. What What does that even entail? I'm it's sorry. Terrible. That sounds really it's bad. Terrible. Yeah. Oh, but I'm sorry. Anyway, that said, that incarnation, like the first time I saw you and Amber basically singing, singing back and forth together, I was just like, "What the fuck? Fuck these guys. This is fuck this." <laughs> <laughs> it was powerful. That oh, that my God. that quartet was like. It was a lot. It was very crazy energy. It was very economical and very. Everyone was like full on. Yeah, we had like it was. I don't know if I'll ever experience something quite like that ever again. Yeah, it was so hard and so insane because we were all so young and just like pushing as hard as we could. It was just to you, do you guys everything. would be like doing like sixteenth notes back, like. <laughs> Like, on the the opposite sides of the stage, it was just like, what the fuck? Yeah, that was mind-blowing. And we were messing up constantly. No one knew. No no one knew, but, you know, then we get in arguments after the show. Like, you're not singing, like, right on this thing. And I'm like, you know, we're all just... Dave, was was he, or you mean between you and Amber, like, to try to sing it right together? All of us. Yeah. I mean, for different reasons. But, yeah, Amber and I really had to lock up on singing. And it was so... It was so fast-paced, like, just getting into the band and touring and learning and just getting comfortable with the material. I had to learn a new instrument, and uh, just, it was so overwhelming, low, low, but I had uh, all the energy for it. Uh, Paul McCartney bass. Yeah, I got the Hofner yeah. violin bass. Those are, I still have it. It's awesome. Yeah. I love that bass. And I, I really fell in love with that instrument after being in the band. I was mm-hmm. a little, like, at first, kind of... Uh, wary um about it because i was like i don't want to be typical girl on bass i was like really conscious of that kind of shit but then i was like doesn't matter what you're playing if you're good at what you're doing you're good exactly and then i realized i really like a lot of female bass players yeah um like who uh, like tina weymouth uh she's She's just fun. She just holds it down. Who's she play for? Uh, she's in Talking Heads. Okay. She was in Talking oh, yeah, Heads yeah. and Tom Tom She's fucking ridiculously good. And yeah. uh, trying to think of some other people. It's kind of drawing a blank right now. Anyhow. Anyhow. So mostly Tina Weymouth. Yeah. <laughs> so so and you and you you hung in there with 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 Dirty Projectors for 
quite a few years. Yeah, about five years. Yeah. Which is a pretty long time. And it really changed over the years, and music change, always changes with uh, Dave. Did you? And how many records did you record with him? I'm only on one. Just one? I'm only on Bitta. Okay. But I toured Rise Above and Bitta. Yeah. And those are like those are like big tour cycles. So each one was like a couple of years touring and then recording in the meantime. Mm-hmm. And how did recording go for Bitta? It was it was um, kind of broken up in a way. We recorded in Portland at the Marriage Records building. It's this old sewing factory building across from Holocene. And we just set up a recording area in there, and we'd all just, just come big, in at different op- times. Big and, open space kind of thing. Yeah, it's huge, huge open space. It's an amazing building. I think they turned it into a contemporary arts building. Okay. Like museum. Uh, so we just come in at different times and lay down whatever. With with who there? Just Dave. With Dave or and uh, Robbie. Robbie. Yeah, Robbie Moncrief, who did a lot of the engineering. It was fun. It was hard because a lot of the vocal stuff. We Amber and I were doing mostly vocals and some playing, but the vocal stuff was so hard. And if you didn't get the take after a few times, you just your voice would be shredded because you're like screaming. Okay. On certain parts of the songs. (laughs) Would you? Would you? uh, Would he give you your part like way ahead of time so you could rehearse it, or or was it like you sit down in the saddle and then you got to go? more was a sit down in the saddle kind of thing now that i think about it yeah Yeah, we didn't we weren't super familiar with the songs but it gave it a very like enlivened performance a very like raw performance but at the same time the record sounds very polished in a way it's like both right and those songs are really really cool it's a cool collection of songs yeah so that it was fun. I really I enjoyed that time. It was in two thousand and eight, and we just lived in Portland and would. For how how long did was was it? I was there a couple of weeks. I think Amber and Dave lived there for the summer. We just kind of come back and forth. Yeah. And just hang out, eat ate a lot of burritos. Yeah. <laughs> From the burrito truck. That sounds nice, though. It was cool. I. I um. Every time I record, I like it more and more. So that was kind of when I started to re- get more into recording. I used to hate it. But that see experience a bit, was see better. See a bit of the process that, that he does, at least. Yeah. I learned a lot from Dave. Like what? What kind of stuff? Just, like, musical stuff. Like, just listening or arranging or just... The, your pro, his approach was interesting. You know, everyone has a different approach, but just he he knew so much more than I did in that realm. I was learning from everybody, but you know, he was really like taking the lead yeah. on it, and uh, so it was cool to just see all the different processes that Dave go through, and he just like work his ass off. And, and er- did everybody kind of knew to defer to his thing. Or was or were there like weird like fights with people? Not to, I'm not trying to get like dr- into drama. I just like. No, I know what you're saying. Um, well, I would defer to Dave. Yeah. Some, 
unless we were like, I, I can't actually sing that. It's yeah. so hard. <laughs> it's and he's like, you can do it. Yeah. And then we'd be like, okay. And then actually we could sing it. Yeah. He's really good at that. Actually. He's really good at pumping you up. Yeah. yeah. And he finds people that he, he knows can, can do the, you know, do things beyond what they think they can. Yeah. And he's really willing to work with people in a more, a new position with music and they develop a lot in his band. Yeah. He's, he's always done that since he was in like middle school. Right. With his middle school bands. Um, so definitely arguments, you know, always, but, but it was his, it's his thing. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, so, (laughs) and then he, he helped you with your EP, right? Yes, he did. Um, we recorded that in winter, in the winter of 08. It was, it was a weird time. And Robbie came out to engineer. Okay. Um, we recorded it in Danbro, which is this old rehearsal space, converted rehearsal space that Todd P found, um, in Bushwick. And it was so fucked. It was just like... I don't, it could not have been legal in any way. I don't know if that place even exists anymore. It was like on Montrose or somewhere over there. And the elevator didn't work. Barely did. You could just get stuck and the building was totally run down. And there was entire like gutted floors that were just felt super haunted and dirty and just like wrought iron rods, like just all over the place you could just fall through uh, the floor probably is, is that how people have to do it in new york because it's so expensive like you have to have a little, just space yeah that's not legit i think so yes uh. and it's probably even harder now yeah um was so that, all so that's getting built up was that a rehearsal space for y'all at first or, or it was it, a rehearsal space yeah and yeah and it was also a show space on the bottom level okay so you know just like we just recorded the album in the rehearsal space, and it was just super cold. How, how did the process go for it? I actually did some of the drum tracking with my friend Ben Greenberg on tape at this like crazy mansion house in Bushwick that okay. he used to live in, this awesome house. Uh, and then we took some of those to Dave and then did the rest on Pro Tools. Just I played everything. Except Robbie played bass on a song or something, and but you, it but was really fast. Did, did you already have the songs written when you took them to Ben Greenberg? Yeah. So you yes. wrote them like on piano or on guitar or something like yeah. that. Okay. Um, the first song on the record was like the last song I wrote because they're like, "You need one more song." All right. And actually, it's kind of the song that people like the most, remember yeah. the most, and it's, it doesn't even have lyrics or anything. It's okay. just like this jammy whatever hip-hop sounding song uh but yeah it was an interesting experience so you doing i'm sorry no no it's okay what what was what was dave's role then so you you had you played everything and you had and you had everything written before you came in did he just say kind of like what he liked and didn't like dave was you know recording robbie was engineering dave was recording and producing and and I would say that in this case, Dave produced okay. a good amount of it. Yeah. Some of the songs like changed a lot. Or helping like, you arrange, too? Yeah. There weren't, there's not a lot of parts in, these, in those songs, but, yeah. you know, like High Road, that song sounded really different. Okay. And he made it sound way better. 
cool. <laughs> so I was very grateful about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was pretty collaborative. And then, what, I mean, I, I saw you uh, playing songs off that, I guess, at South By and stuff like that. Did you, did you yeah. do a little bit of touring on it? or? Mm, no, I just did, like, shows... Some, you know, it's not really a full, it wasn't a fully realized kind of situation, and it was also in the midst of, like, doing so much work with the band. Yeah. When you, that South by Southwest, that specific one, Dirty Projectors played, like, one of the days, we played, like, three to five shows. Right. And then I played a solo show. Was that when Bitta came out? Was that kind of yeah. like, right around then? Okay. We released our records really pretty close to each other yeah i think maybe they released it in june and i released mine in may okay or something like that and you had a label for that one love pump right yeah love Punk yeah. united not a label anymore and that so that was cool i was really stoked that someone want like heard my music and they wanted to like put out yeah something for me so yeah i didn't really do any touring i just was really focused on dirty projectors yeah um and do do you regret that do you wish you would have like pushed harder on it or, or do you feel like it wasn't time yet um i don't regret it no i if i look back i realize that a lot of what i was doing was learning and i'm a person who really likes to to absorb information and then kind of make my move but you feel ready now to make that movie. Yeah, I feel yeah. ready now. It it took many years of just learning from other people. Most and I I feel like I learned a lot from Dirty Projectors and my boyfriend Dave and uh So ha- I got more confident with my knowledge and my understanding, my taste, all that. I didn't really not that I have a problem with like putting something out and like it feels like undeveloped, but I I wanted to. I just want to put things out when I feel like they're ready to be put out. Yeah. And that takes time. So, how long have you been playing with with Dave? In in, in that Dave what? Tell me, tell, your, your boyfriend. Yeah. What's what's the name of the group again? Av Terror Slasher Flicks. Av Terror Slasher Flicks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's been only about. A year and a half. Okay. There's a very fast turnaround of starting that band and putting out a record. So he has a record out already. Yeah, it came out in April. We okay. we did a like full live band recording. Okay. Like basic tracking. And then situation. adding on that a and, little bit. Yeah, so we got to go to a studio and like kind of old school make a record. It was awesome. Yeah. Had you ever done that? Not quite. Not with, like, other people playing at the same time. Yeah. Usually I, I was the person that would come in and, like, lay down, overdub right. kind of stuff. So this was a very interesting process because we had to learn all the songs well together, go in, record them, try to kind of record them to a click, which is hard with, with a, a bunch of people playing at the yes. same time. yes. How many but, uh, how, how many people are in that group? There's only three of us. So it's we, you. We call Dave, it a power trio. You, Dave, and who? <laughs> Jeremy Hyman. He's a really amazing drummer. He used okay. to be in Ponytail. Okay. He plays in Boredoms. He's just like this wild. I've seen guy. both those groups. They're, yeah, he's he's really good. Yeah. Um, it, and are you playing bass then? I play Moog 
Voyager base. Okay. Okay. And then Juno melodic textural stuff on top of that. And Dave's playing guitar stuff. He plays guitar, and then it's just like a shitload of effects. That's cool, and yeah, as I would expect with one of his projects. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and uh, how how is it working with? Him as opposed to Longstreth, like, in, in you know, it's, I assume mm. it's, it's, since it's called AV Terrors, this and that, I, I assume it's decidedly kind of his project in a way. Yeah, so I'm sure he's very different than Longstreth. I think he wanted to call it slasher flicks only, okay. but we kind of had to call it AV Terrors slasher flicks because it is his solo project from Animal Collective, and so everyone knows him as AV Terror. Right. Uh, how do, how is it different? It's very yes. different. Um, the very different personalities. Dave is um, Dave Portner is. They're both extremely hard workers, and they're always working on stuff. But I would say that Dave's a, Portner is a little bit of a. He's just a quieter, more introverted type of person. So his way of leading a band was less directive maybe than Dave Longstreth. Not we were just more like the idea behind Slasher Flicks was that Dave would show us the demos and then we would kind of put ourselves into those positions. So I change bass parts or they're gonna be played how I play bass and right. keyboards we could, would work out together and practice. So it was a little more Figuring it out as we went along with uh, just the foundation there. And he's, he's kind of relaxed about it, it seems like, maybe. He's a very chill, yeah. chill dude, yeah. But he knows what he wants. Yeah. He's he's always, he's always going to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was cool because it felt... But he's maybe a little more o- open to, to stuff that other people might... Have. Yeah, he was he was like more Yeah, he was more open to hearing our ideas. It's Dave Longstreth knows exactly what he wants. Right. And and I totally respect that. Yeah. Um so it was a cool dynamic between us. We all are pretty, I would say for the most part pretty mellow people. Mm-hmm. So we could our like verbal communication was good. <laughs> So we could get a lot done. And did, did you find it troublesome? We'll, we'll be done in a little bit. I know it's been a long oh, time. Oh, no problem. I don't mind. Okay. Um, did, did, is it hard to work with your boyfriend? No, not at all. No. That's good. It's good. Him and I get along so well. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's pretty crazy. It's always a wild ride in a relationship, and mm-hmm. especially with people who are their main thing is to make art which is a very personal ex- exploration so there's a lot of times where we're just like working alone we have studios next to each other but we always like working by ourselves in our rooms in, a, and then in, in somewhere they're underneath us oh in, mm-hmm. in the house in the basement yeah cool so we've just worked out kind of a system a lot of the time dave has toured a lot with animal collective since we've been together and this is kind of the first time we've had some down time from him touring and that's when we could develop slasher flicks a little more and we tour together we just 
we're fine. We're good at traveling together. Good do, at. Do you do you roll with them a lot? From time to time, I'll like hang out, or sometimes I open for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A- as yourself. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just playing solo. Yep. Okay. It's a. Uh, it's always fun. I really like all of them. They're all such nice people. I feel like they're a very special group of people. Yeah. A very like special message. And just hanging out with them. They're all They seem super like great cool. guys. I I've met them only like once, I think, but Yeah, they're all they're all awesome. They're all really different, but all just super funny. I, a lot of good jokes going on with, yeah. <laughs> with that crew. Um so I tour with them a little bit. But when Dave goes, I, I can have a lot more concentrated work time for myself. Is is that frightening playing solo in front of huge audiences like that? That is the only time I get nervous about shows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, oh, I gotta do like, I gotta take a shot of whiskey. I gotta yeah. like chill out, and also just kind of developing a live show by yourself. Yeah, is really weird, kind of hard. I'm getting better at it, but those shows opening for them, I was still, like, figuring it out. Do you do a lot of, like, looping and effects and shit, or do you keep it pretty strict? I was doing, like, computer back, you know, backing tracks and playing keyboards and singing and whatever. But now I've kind of taken it to a different spot where, yeah, it's more looping, it's more live interaction. Just, I don't want it to be computery, basically. Do like a one-man band. Put like yeah. a kick drum on your back. And it, I'm yeah. pretty close to being that. <laughs> it's it's fun, though. I really like using loop pedals, actually. Yeah. And now that I've gotten into using them, I understand like why people are into them. And, and it's a good tool for writing music, too. Mm-hmm. And just fun, because now I can change the songs in a way that I didn't with the backing tracks, because it's going to be the same every time. Right. You can kind of have more of an experimental experience with the loop pedal. I, I find I'm 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 kind of I've always been anti looping things for for like why and stuff like that. Just for like I think if there's multiple people Yeah. It becomes really difficult it does. to like stay on beat and shit like that. Absolutely. Um so I've always shied away from that sort of thing. Or backing tracks. I, I I've always been a little bit weird about backing tracks because I, I just I just like to play live. If it's with other people, I want it to feel like you really feel everybody's time and you really mm-hmm. kind of lock in and that, ha- you know. Mm-hmm. But I know that may be a little bit antiquated, you know, that way of thinking. Well, um, we're we're getting a little antiquated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <our> age. <laughs> I mean, I, I am. No, I don't. I don't think <laughs> you are. But. But I've also been doing shows where I rap just off of instrumentals. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. like that's the exact opposite. And I like doing that. I think whatever makes you feel good. You yeah. know? And whatever makes you feel like you're challenging yourself. Yeah. And growing. Yeah. Because it's easy. I think that's what happens with something like computers. Is it's easy. And you... And I started to feel like uh, I can do this too easy. Yeah. And I want to like keep exploring different ways of uh playing music and seeing how that like opens up your consciousness with music so that is why the antiquated vibe is interesting for me yeah and i also really 
have seen myself more as a musician because that's what I did first. Yes. So I'm like, I want to play this. I want to like learn how to play this. I know I could do this all on a computer, but I, I want to like physically play this and do it. And it's hard sometimes, but I want to just challenge myself. I want to become a better, actually better musician. Right. As I get, you know, as I go on. You can kind of stop being that, you know, when you play in bands. Once you oh, learn absolutely. songs, absolutely, absolutely, you learn your parts, and you just and you know your parts. That's, and that's it. it. <laughs> I mean, I, most people that I know uh, in bands do that. They play in the bands. They learn their parts. They go. They sh- they go away from that whole like woodshed vibe of like you know like like my my brother for example. I mean, he's just now, you know, at age like thirty eight, getting back into sort of like jazz and chops and playing mm. but for years mm. you know he kind of went to just like mostly just playing when we played why i mean not all together but you know and he started as like a re- musician's musician you know what i mean like mm-hmm. virtuosic drummer and all that yeah and kind of not to say that he lost his chops but he didn't focus on it as much you know what i mean because he was focused on what served the songs and stuff like that which is very important as well but yeah, I think I think it, mm-hmm. it it's feeling more natural for him. I think to get back into chopping it up. Yeah, I that when we were doing slasher flicks, we got really into the Ken Burns jazz documentary, oh, yeah. like the seven episodes. Those are great. And because we were kind of integrating that some improvisation into the band for live performance, and we got like obsessed watching those, and we just got really way more into jazz and. What you know, the best thing about jazz is it's improvised, mm-hmm. and these people just they know they've mastered their instrument. Yeah, and I'm like, I, I want to do you know, I want to master one of my instruments and like be able to be like totally free, right? And I'm nowhere near that, but um, I like the idea of just being able to like you know, the key you're playing in, so right. now you can just like fuck around for a little bit. And doing that, it just feels, even a little bit, feels free to me. Right. Um, I, it was like, Dirty Projectors was a lot about technical detail and just like really acing your your part. And that was super challenging in that way. And then with like Slasher Flicks, it's challenging in, a, in that way, and but also in um, just like, Time to improvise, being and in, if you fuck up, you fuck up. <laughs> being in the moment. Dave, Dave's yeah, in here being meditating, in and, yeah. and when you meditate, you're in the moment, and yeah. that's a different vibe. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Keeping it a little right-brained. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Just trying to stay and there. Like, I mean, those jazz guys, it's like they, you know, they put in so much work ahead of time to the mm-hmm. point where when they step to the stage, they let all that go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they're just they're there in the moment and, and and their previous knowledge and intuition guide them. Yeah. Those guys and they play by themselves all the time. Yeah. You know, they're practicing every day for hours and hours on end. We could even say play with themselves in a way. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sort of, sort of. <laughs> Depending um, on who. Yeah, and then they just like go out and just like you just they just blow people away. I yeah. that's what I did too when I was like 18, 19, when I met you, I would go to Oakland and go to um, Yoshi's all the time and watch oh, live wow. jazz. Okay, okay. 
I was really into that. It was so cool. That's such a it was such a cool thing to do. We have a awesome uh, we have a night every Sunday night. It's my brother's night, really, um, at this little bar where we do improv anything. Oh, really? Yeah. Where in New York? Cincinnati. Wait, do you live in Cincinnati yeah. right now? I, I thought you lived in New York or something. No, no, Cincinnati. Okay, I was just there. In Cincinnati? Yeah. Doing what? Well, we were on tour, but we played in Columbus. We okay. spent the night in Cincinnati. Okay. I Let me know it. next time. I, there's a reason I feel like why I didn't tell you, but well, you I don't remember. Known, I Maybe say. it was just, I thought it was like too far away or something. Yeah. Plans for the future know. beyond this, this record? Plans for the future. Are you tour, like, is Slasher Flicks going to tour? Yeah, we're going to tour this summer. Just a little bit. We're playing Pitchfork and this other festival called Four Castle. It's in, um, near, uh, Louis, Louisville. And then we're doing a West Coast tour in When's August. When's Louisville? I'm, I'm, not, I'm only two hours from there. Okay. That is July, um, it might be like the 20th of Okay. I'll July. look out for it. I'll check it out. Yeah. Maybe I'll so come down. Out there. Yeah, you should. It'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, and then just a little bit of touring and trying to figure out the solo stuff, the next step. Mm-hmm. I wish you the best of luck. It's going to go well, I can tell you that. Thank you. Yeah. I, having, I hope so. Having listened to Side A. Side A, now go, I know. go and listen to Side A. I will. I will. <laughs> pretty right now. <laughs> I've been sitting here with Angel Deradorian in the meditation room in her house. It's been a pleasure. Uh, Echo Parque. Echo Parque. Los Angeles, yeah. California. 2014. Yeah. Say thank, bye to the people. Thank you. And uh, goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind. Thanks for listening to the Wandering Wolf podcast once again. Every week, it is my pleasure to bring these to you. There will be another one next Wednesday, as always, as promised. Thank you, Angel. Find her on the net. Say hi. I'm excited. I have tonight, I have a guy coming over to my house to try to organize my studio. Uh, I've started to get in touch with some places where I'm going to volunteer to teach kids some rappings and and, and, uh, producing and stuff like that. That's going to be a lot of fun, something outside myself that'll that'll be helpful to my uh, constitution, I believe. Uh, Also, hopefully, will help the kids out a little bit. I don't know what I'm getting myself into, but I have to just throw myself into it because I think it will be good. And it's something that I've been thinking about for for a few years, actually, that I need to do. I didn't do anything yesterday. I sat and watched like four movies. The best of which, oh, The Breakfast Club was great. I watched that last night. It had been uh, maybe uh, 10 years, I don't know, since I'd seen that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really good. Really simple, just a very small movie uh, about sort of tiny change within these within these people, these kids. 
Yeah, very, very distinct movie. John Hughes. And I watched uh, several others. But that was maybe the most notable. That's the only one I can remember right now, to be quite honest. All right. I'm going to let you all get to your lives and uh, get out of mine for now. I'll be back next week. Thank you for joining me. And keep wandering.